Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Time once again, Mam Fam, to round up the movie news, rumors, and rumblings, patented rumblings, <laughs> to discuss it all with us, your co-hosts of Mad About Movies, Kent, myself, Richard, and Brian. We're all here to talk about some stuff that has been going on the movie industry side of things for the past few weeks, and there's been some opinions thrown around, but I think everybody can agree on a few things about this, but I'm excited to talk about it. Guys, welcome in. First of all, Brian, how we doing at the end of the summer? Got the kid back in school? Yeah, man, he's back in school. He hasn't gotten kicked out yet. That's always a plus. Um, he's uh, he's he's trucking right along. Yeah, it's it's, it's been good. It's been good. We're so how old is is Cooper now? For those of you who who recently started listening, maybe <laughs> yeah, Cooper nine. was born literally a few months after the pod started. So we yeah, kind of we're real. living vicariously through Coop as he's <laughs> yeah. going through life. He's basically just a human version That's of the right. podcast. That's right. You know? Podcast is like three months older than him. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's nine. He's in fourth grade. So um, oh man, it's crazy. Full on adult by now. I, I knew exactly I what I wanted to do in life yeah. by fourth grade. So <laughs> he'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Well, this is going to be fun, guys. I think we should start with the HBO. Purge that has been going on behind the scenes. A lot of people are up in arms about this. I I don't know how I truly feel at the end of the day, but I have a lot of opinions along the way. But Brian, maybe run us down, the listener, kind of what's transpired over the past few weeks with with HBO, and then we'll give some opinions. So HBO has a new. Well, it's it's. Uh... Discovery HBO, yeah, Warner Discovery, Brothers, HBO, Warner Brothers Warner Discovery, Brothers. which H, which owns HBO, <laughs> right? Got a new CEO. Is that is that his title? I want to make sure we we give the. Uh, the I believe the so. Problem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, CEO Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslov is this guy's name, and he parties. Number one, you need to know that about him. He's uh, Sick. he's a really good businessman. Um. This started like a couple weeks, I don't know, maybe maybe three to four weeks ago. This was, I knew that he was the CEO, but you know, you, you kind of forget these names. It's not the, the most important part of, of doing a movie podcast. But I mean, I think the first, the first note of like, oh, this guy is like really staking his claim and kind of asserting himself was, was the cancellation of Batgirl, right? Like, I think mm. that was, that was where everybody was like, who, who the heck is this guy? Um, well, he Why came does he in party and, so hard? Uh, yeah, yeah. He came in on a little bit of weird footing um, with the, you know, how he negotiated the merger. Um, he kind of got the the discovery in AT and T and the Warner Media and all that, and then he mm-hmm. paid himself like two hundred million dollars and all this stuff. So he had this kind of, at least in the business community, this kind of interesting reputation as. You know, hey, if someone could take someone through a big merger like that, they might be worth it. But in this, that was kind of his coming out party to the creative community, right? Mm-hmm. That his, his kind of cutthroat business sense now merging with with something that it's always messy when you are dealing with creative content and you know sometimes mm-hmm. art, sometimes Batgirl, but like right. in a in a world with shareholders and employees and things like that, having to make all those decisions up against all these different variables is always interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyway. That I think your point, Brian, like 
the Batgirl thing was when all of that came to a head, both on the sure. business and creative side. Yeah, I remember seeing his name regarding like tax credits and and things like that in in like Texas Monthly maybe last yeah. year. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot he was he was taking over. But but yes, yeah, I think I think that's spot on, Richard. It's it's this is this is sort of his coming out party, as it were, to the creative community and to and certainly to audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's where. That's where the issue lies. So the, I mean, the first thing that he does is he, he, and this is a amongst many things that have come out over the last month, but the thing that really, I think really stuck in, stuck out to people was, was cutting Batgirl. Not just like we're pushing it, not we're going to move it to streaming only, not any of that. It's we got 90 million into this sucker and actually, and it's probably 90% done and we're just pulling the plug. We're yeah, just, we're in post production on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done. I mean, the movie is done. Um, and we're uh, we're not only are we not going to put it out when we said we were going to, we are literally going to shelve it. Like, there's, I mean, it's very unlikely to happen, but there's like there there is a like at least some possibility that they will literally delete the movie. Um, in order to preserve the. The tax savings um, that they're well, maybe they can pull a Snyder and sneak the hard drives out of there, (laughs) and just literally steal the movie. Seriously, (laughs) cut Um, it on their own. I don't think they hold it hostage on social media. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think, I think this is the big. So, so I think it's fair to say there's a pretty good chance that Bad Girl is not good. Um, Wow. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing: tells us anything, uh, but. Yeah, but but also just if 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 they are willing to, I I understand there's been so much that has come out regarding they got to get their their losses down for quarter three, quarter four, uh, got to get these tax savings in, like all these fun, all a lot of this is financially based. We understand mm-hmm. that. Um, but also if the CEO of a of a company of a of a movie making TV making company says this, we're not we're We've we've spent ninety mil on this. We are not willing to spend another ten to yeah. finish it and another fifty to 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 market it or whatever. Um, I feel like it's relatively fair to say there's a very very high chance this is just not good. Like we're the 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 internal screenings are are not going well. Um, at at the very least. But also, you're ninety million dollars into this thing. Um, it's it's relatively unprecedented. I would go so far. I mean, maybe there's an example that I'm I'm not remembering. I mean, we we all know about movies being shelved or uh, whatever else, but it is usually smaller budget kind of thing. Or um, it's usually like, like an actor this, saying, "I don't want anybody to see that movie right. because now I'm a movie star and I don't, I, you know, I don't want anybody to see this movie I did four years ago or whatever." Um, I think it's relatively unprecedented for we've spent about a hundred million dollars making this, and we literally will never let anybody see it. Now we're just going to get rid of it entirely. Yeah, because I think you know they're always people are always trying to salvage some level of revenue, even on. Mm-hmm. A, that's like, even on that's the most confusing part to me. Yeah, like you don't want to make any money back. Yeah, but I think at all. Well, I think the the theatrical thing is is really, you know, unless it's Marvel or something, you can get lucky with a Top Gun. It's hard to make anything back, and the the expense of getting everything out there and marketing it is is expensive and. I, I think, you know, not to say it's a total sunk cost, but I do think this has a lot to do with the reckoning too, where over the last eight years, you could just 
hey, well, that's fine. We spent $100 million on this, but we can just put it on our streaming platform. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. will build subscribers. And streaming is an unlimited source of income. We'll just book it against that. And well, there was always this kind of safety net. And I, I think that I'm not saying streaming's going anywhere, but mm-hmm. that world of like unlimited content going, being paid for on streaming is coming to an end because, yeah. you know, the growth of, of those has slowed. The competition against them is, is, is always, you know, is always something they have to keep in mind, but like they've learned that these sort of one-off films are not really a way to gain a significant amount of subscribers and the days of the wild west of let's just book 90 million against a streaming, uh, you know, <laughs> budget is, is our, 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 if not over are about to be over. So mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of different variables of timing, you know? Yeah. I think in, in a, you know, in a, 2015 theatrical environment they'd say okay we spent 90 million on this let's spend another 30 promoting it and getting out the theaters now we're at 120 and let's try to get 60 back Mm -hmm. now we'll only lose 60 instead of 90 but i don't know if they spend if they spend 30 million more getting this in the theaters and promoting it there's always the chance too that if it's a real dog that it makes 10 and now they've spent Mm -hmm. 110 million dollars on this movie and it might be worth it just to sunk cost the 90 especially if there's tax breaks and things like that involved. Yeah. I mean, the, the tax stuff is a big, is, is obviously a big driver on this. It's not just this movie. It was like Scoob 2. There's all, there was, there was a bunch of movies and TV shows that they cut, um, that were, you know, well into production, if not post-production and, and to, to just save, okay, we're, so cl- clearly the, the driver here is, is trying to, to, I won't even say maximize profit. It's minimize loss um, at this point. But then also, uh, you know, <laughs> like we all get it. We all understand you got to make your job is to make your, your company, your shareholders money. We understand. Um, but also you are as much as like kind of what we said at the outset, Richard, like the, that this is sort of, the announcement of David Zaslav to to audiences and to creative community that works the, I mean that works the opposite way too. The creative community very very easily can say, well, why in the world am I going to take this project to Warner Brothers if I you know I don't trust that they're going to see it all the way through. I mean that's that's been out there a lot um, over the last few days is damage control that Warner Brothers is doing because it it kind of seems like this guy maybe doesn't really understand how this industry works um, the way that, you know, and, 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 you know, to be fair, we've, we've said many, many times over the 10 years, like, Hey, this industry needs to figure some stuff out. You it's mm-hmm. not, it's not the same as it was you can't five or 10 years ago. Either. So you got to figure some stuff out, but also you do have to create an environment where you can work with the, with the creatives or you don't have anything to, to right. pump onto your, your platform. It, you know, it's, it's chicken or the egg kind of stuff. And I, th- and I think Warner Brothers, you know, when you think of it as Warner Brothers Discovery, and I think that's been a mess for a while. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, how to how to thread that line between making money and which mm-hmm. they've done okay on some really bad movies. They could have done better. They've uh, squandered some good properties, you know, long term, et cetera. But when you take it something, a subsidiary of that is HBO. Mm-hmm. HBO Max and they have a lot more credibility among the creative community. So I think it's much more of a shock with the HBO thing that that you know yeah. that this is now going to be run perhaps by a 
profit motivated bean counter and st- mm-hmm. and and they may now if it's Batgirl who cares but yeah. if it's you know prestige series X that n- right. doesn't go to HBO because he right. can't make the money work mm-hmm. or the doesn't see the value of it that's where people I think get nervous because HBO has such a reputation of curating really excellent content which Warner Brothers at least in the last 10 years doesn't yeah I I think that's that's basically it is they're trying to merge these two companies, really, you know, HBO and uh, and Discovery in a cohesive way without sacrificing the brand value of each of the brands. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's difficult. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, would be put in a tough spot to be in, put in charge of that. I mean, it, it really is. But the concerning thing is, is the Daily Beast did a big story on mm-hmm. – they interviewed a bunch of ex-HBO employees and, and stuff – and they're really worried about that aspect of things. Uh, somebody says, quote, that um, they describe Discovery Plus as a more general audience platform that doesn't have the specificity that HBO Max was tailored to. Mm-hmm. I think Discovery is just very all audience. They don't want to make things that are political, topical, alienate middle America. They just want more Chip and Joanna. Right. And uh, that's yeah. what we don't want to happen to HBO. Right. Uh, we see a lot of these projects that were you know, shelved, canceled. A lot of them probably should have been canceled. You know, a lot of ones that you just don't hear mm-hmm. about that never catch on that just, you know, you spend money on, you try for, and they never catch on. And, and they're just kind of left out there on the app and taking mm-hmm. up space and, and doing bad, bad for the brand. But you really want some of those minority voices to still be heard. And I think that's, oh, you know, yeah. the optics of like, yeah. Cutting anime projects, cutting a female fronted superhero project, right? All, all these, Latino you know, Spanish fronted. language yeah. Or, uh, yeah. programming that they've um, that they've cut recently too. Right. In this, right. it, it it looks bad, and it does look like we need to white this thing up, and we need to offend less, make more <laughs> less less Sopranos and more, uh, you know, Chip and Joanna. Yeah, that's that. I think, and and. and- I think that most of us are willing to kind of accept that like there's going to be bumps in the road when you're trying to 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 blend these two different services and like these two different sides of the business and stuff but um I don't know man HBO means something HBO has meant something for 40 years and I'm not like totally resistant to change and I definitely I I mean to be honest with you I think that and I think this is something you guys both agree with. Like we, we, we could use less content. We don't need to churn out the, the, the level, the, the level of content that we've gotten over the last um, five years. And I think that's something that I, I fully understand if that, if that was better, if there was better messaging on that front, I think that's something that, that most of us could kind of get behind. There's, there's only so many hours in the day and, and you know, so much money that goes into all this stuff. But but I need the, the the I need the CEO of the company um, to understand that as I, and I say this as somebody who loves House Hunters. Richard and I text about House Hunters all the time. Love House Hunters. HBO doesn't need to be House Hunters. No. HBO stands for something, and um, you know maybe that needs to be a little bit less content. That's fine, but but it it the I definitely understand the worry and 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 kind of the fear on that side of like you know. Would David Zaslav is is he somebody who would who would greenlight the next 
Sopranos or or the original Sopranos right. if he was in charge at the time or or the Wire. I mean, let's talk about you know, hey, Oz, talk about how right? we're whiting yeah. everything out, up. I mean, does David Zaslav understand why the Wire is so great? I don't know. It's it's fair to question those those things, and um, it's always difficult to blend business with with uh you know art and understanding art and the the creative side of things, and it's it's never a smooth road, but. Um, you, you, you want to know that the guy who's make who's calling all the shots is, is at least trying to understand how to blend those two things and not just the, yeah, and also too, like pulling stuff from HBO max and, and eliminating things that were green light lit by, by the predecessor. It, it, it leaves you feeling like, is some of this just, I'm going to burn all the ships that my, that my, the last guy came in on is that that doesn't seem like great business either. I mean, this, do I want to watch these, the, the witches with, uh, with Anne Hathaway? No, I don't. Most people didn't, but it's already out there. So I'm not sure that erasing it from HBO max is, is the way to go. Uh, it's, it's just, there's just a lot of weird stuff going there that I think, I think he's undermining his own plans and kind of cutting his own legs out from under himself with, with the way that he's handled stuff. Yeah. They've, they've removed 36 titles, uh, total titles so far. And, uh, they've cut 70 jobs at HBO max. (laughs) Yeah. And also this is a big one. They've deleted 200 Sesame street episodes and, you know, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, weird, how is a kid ever going to know the continuity of of Sesame Street <laughs> yeah. if he can't go back and watch from the beginning and have every yeah. episode there? I mean, it's just going to confuse the heck out of him. Yeah, it's just it's just, <laughs> it's just weird stuff. It's weird stuff. Um, and then too, can you you already touched on it, but we we should probably get into that aspect of it too. Canceling, goodness, canceling a Latina fronted superhero movie. While continuing to allow Ezra Miller to be part of the decision making <laughs> process of what we're doing with these movies and like factor in at all into the algorithm of of what what we're doing with with Superman is a is insane and b the optics of that are horrific and does not seem to have any understanding of of how that works at all. This this project they should have just kept it kept it out just for optics i mean let it finish let it come out if it's not great that's fine but it'll have an audience people will, you know some people will like it the dc fans will probably find a way to like it right it'll probably make a little bit of money and then you just move on to the next thing but they've they've done this to themselves essentially <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it's it's really bad i don't know where things are going to go from here you know like I said, I hope they don't water down the brand of HBO, the prestige of HBO. I mean, HBO is peaking again. I mean, they are as popular as ever with with House of the Dragon, mm-hmm. with what they've been able to do on the comedy side of things, too. It, it's been really awesome to be able to enjoy HBO the way it's been for the past few years. And it seems like somebody's coming in and ruining the party. And that's, that yeah. sucks you know, for everybody. And we're gonna, now we're going to have to buy one app and it's going to have all the discovery content plastered on the front of it that you probably might not even want, you know, the travel channel or whatever, whatever else they're going to cram in there. It, mm-hmm. it, it's tough. There, There is an app. I don't know if you guys have the HGTV app, which I do have, but it has like the entire family of, of networks in that mm-hmm. one app. 
yeah. which is awesome, but it also makes it a, just a giant cluster. That's, that's it's like a food network in there. It's got the like- NBC stuff's like that too. Like if you yeah. have the Bravo app, right. you have like right. the USA app and all that. They like just white label them for whatever you've searched and then- Yeah, exactly. Uh, bundle them all together, yeah. So we shall see where things go from here. And again, if they'll be willing to spend the money that they've spent in the past. I mean, Game of Thrones is- is an expensive endeavor, you know? Like, how are they going to be willing to write these checks for a long time on spinoff series, especially, you know, things like that? It's going to be tough uh, on the people there involved. And I feel, I really feel for the, the people at HBO Max that are losing their jobs. That's a, uh, that's, uh, that is extremely tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as one, yeah. as one company seems to be <laughs> kind of, you know, struggling, another company, is is popping off the director of marketing chloe has been bailed out of the shelter been rescued <laughs> and is back in business because movie pass i don't know how many tweets we've gotten about this uh tagged or whatever is back in some form fellas seems to be aiming for a relaunch here pretty soon if you sign up by september 5th or actually it opened september 5th you can sign up and you can get on a preliminary list where they're going to soft launch to a few select people who have signed up and see how, how well this goes, I think, before they dive fully in like they did <laughs> previously. So what we know so far is there's going to be three tiers, a $10, a $20, and a $30 tier that are each going to get you different things. We don't know what those are yet. They haven't revealed details but they did say that that the the all-in deal is gone so i don't think there's any tier that's going to get you you pay 30 bucks and you can see anything any any time like like the previous movie pass so that's what we know so far i'll throw it over to you brian for some instant breaking news reaction (laughs) i mean in the words of of michael scott i am ready to be hurt again (laughs) (laughs) no Movie, I mean, Movie Pass gets so much crap, and rightly so, because it it fell apart so hard uh, down the stretch of its run, and the ideas that they threw out were so wheels off, and they made Gotti and and the and <laughs> forgot the, about that. <laughs> the the director of marketing is one of the most tone deaf emails that I have ever seen from a, a major company. Clearly, the CEO was like super into coke. I mean, it <laughs> there was just allegedly, allegedly there just was a there's just so many weird wheels off part of the movie past story, and I'm I'm really bummed that we haven't gotten to gotten like a we crashed series or something. Uh, yes, on, we need it. We need to make it. If nothing, I really yeah. think we should write like some sort of a fake oral history or something. But anyway, but also it let me see a whole bunch of movies for not very much money for uh for a nice a long stretch of time. There came in very handy for the pod. Um, oh yeah, I know that our data got sold to Taiwan or something, but. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Um, at the end of the day, so the 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 only real holdback I have with this, as much as anything else, is like we we've been talking off the air. Maybe we brought it on the air too. I can't really remember. But over over the last couple of weeks, trying to figure out the schedule, September and October, there's like one movie coming. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely brutal time 
to try to lock everybody into another subscription service. Um, I probably would have tried to launch this in May or waited until November because I, I just worry that you're going to get too. I mean, maybe that's a part of the plan. Maybe that's a good thing that like you get kind of a soft launch or whatever. But I feel like there's a decent chance we're going to get like Quibi numbers when it comes back for their first their first couple of months of the service because everybody's like, well, I mean, I'm interested in MoviePass, but I am not going to see Don't Worry Darling four times. So I don't know that this is really, really great timing um, for that stuff. But I don't know, Arby, what, what do you think? Does this, have, does this have a chance? I mean, you know, I'm much more bearish on like movie theaters than you mm-hmm. guys. So uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't really even put it on movie passes. Like you said, I think there's ways to do this. Um, and I get the soft launch. I'm with you. Like you might want to do this and when there's a lot more things to, to come out, but yeah, I just don't, I don't know how they do that. There's so many tiers of distribution across this of like who all has to get paid out of it. And those are all, especially in the middle there that you have movie theaters, which are not doing as well. So like just seems so stubborn and impossible to me, but who knows? Yeah. I, I, I I'm mean, not, I'm no works. director of marketing. It worked one time. I mean, there certainly was a demand for the service the first time around. There wasn't a way for the people running the service to figure out how to work it behind the scenes, but there was a definitely a demand for the customer. If they can eliminate some of the shady crap that they were doing the first time, locking you out of movies without telling you, um, if it's very clear and upfront about what you're getting and they stick to that, um, I can see there being a demand for it. Something that's happened though, between the, the time that Movie Pass went away and uh, now, is almost every theater chain has launched a service yeah, right. that is that is pretty a, a pretty good deal for you know you can do the Regal Unlimited. There's the AMC A list, which I, which I uh, have and, and am a fan of. There's a Draft House uh, subscription service. There's a Cinemark one. And so now the only thing that MoviePass really has to offer is, okay, well, with ours, you can see at any theater. Right. So, but do, do people care about that? Are you going to multiple chains? Do you really want to go to multiple chains? If you can just go to your local AMC and, and have it be a consistent thing? I don't know. So that is something that they will have an advantage over the uh, competitors is uh, you can maybe do ours, but the theater chains have to sign on for this. They have to accept the movie pass uh, and movie pass previously w- did not play nice with the theater chains. Yeah. Right. So the, there's the no new, way for them to make it profitable. That's where all the shady stuff comes out. Yeah, like- the new regime, the new CEO, a guy that got ousted and, and has bought the company back has to really smooth over the, the, the theater people and should mm-hmm. be sending some Dom Perry on to their offices pretty soon to do that. Because like they were literally like saying, Oh, uh, it'd be, you know, uh, how you guys have, uh, that, that big movie coming out. You got a, you know, Marvel coming out. It'd be a shame if, uh, mm. all of our 10 million users were just, just couldn't see it at the at Cinemark, you know, that'd be a shame, you know? And so they were using that kind of stuff as leverage with these theaters to, to play shady and to try to get their way with the theaters. And so like, you know, asking for cuts of concessions and things like that, like this, that'll never play with this new service. They've got to play nice. And uh, if they can do that and have a, you know, a clear thing of here's what you get every month, 
I mean, there could be a place for it. There could be a demand. I just think that the the theater chains have taken a, a significant chunk out of that demand mm-hmm. with with these yeah. individual services. That that's fulfilled my need personally. Yeah, and that was always kind of the the desired end game, I think, for the for the the realistic consumer. I think we always knew this can't last for forever. Um because nothing cold can stay, but like the, the this isn't a, a real business. This isn't a profitable right. business, and they and could the generate revenue, owners, but they could yeah. Not. There's too right. many people they have to pay out to yeah. make it profitable. And and theater theater chains aren't gonna. I mean, they're not. They don't want to cut anybody in on their on their no. their profit. So, but the the hope was always that that this will push theater chains to kind of have to create their own. And and like you said, can't they all have? Um, AMC's is, is I think kind of the gold standard for, for that at this point. Um, I, I don't live close enough to an AMC to make that worth my, my while, unfortunately. And Cinemark's plan is pretty much just prepaying for, for tickets. Um, which is, you know, which is what I do. Cause it usually pays for itself with fees and stuff. So whatever, right. it's fine, but it's not movie pass and, um, it's not going to help me, but, but if all the theaters are doing their own bit, then I don't know. I don't know how much this, I don't know that this will take off the way that they are hoping it will be, especially if there's not a, an unlimited viewing option. If um, movie like pass can compete with 12 movies a month for 20 bucks, mm-hmm. that, that's what AMC's is basically. But you get all the IMAX you want, all the 3d you want right. discounts right. on concessions, you know, free tickets every so often if they can compete with that. On a, from a price standpoint, I'll be very impressed. But go ahead, Richard. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see how they could. Like, how do you go to AMC and yeah, and mm-hmm. make it as profitable for AMC and take your cut out enough to make it to prop the whole thing up? I just mm-hmm. I think some of the cool funniest way. stuff about. <laughs> I mean, I still have my uh, Movie Pass card. I, I've see? kept it. And I'm just going to call them. Card. Be like, I just want to. Can I just turn this one back on? I still have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so you guys funny. still owe me for Mission Impossible Fallout, just FYI. Yeah. Yeah. That they, I mean, at the end, we, we talked about it a bunch on the pod. You might as well go listen to some of those episodes. But yeah, you'd open the app and there'd be like one movie showing and it was 40 miles away. <laughs> like that was the mm-hmm. only thing you could see. Like, well, yeah. this is not what I'm paying for. And they were just, yeah, they literally would just, they, sh- they just shut down the app at the end because yeah. they couldn't handle the amount of money that they were just draining just amazing amount of money so it turned out that those cards the original like visa mastercard whatever they were had an 11 dollar a day limit on them or something so like you could just go spend 11 bucks a day on movie pass (laughs) with the card as long as you knew that you could had to keep it under that price you could go buy taco bell or do whatever (laughs) you wanted and (laughs) people figured that out i guess towards the end and really screwed them over but yeah, I mean, if if you had cheap matinee, you could buy two tickets if it was under the under eleven bucks. You know, if you could buy two four dollar tickets or whatever, yeah, you could do that. And I d- I did that uh, towards the end there. But um, man, they they just they need a a tell all documentary about that. Yeah. Just like what the office was like for the last two months at that place. Right. Hopefully, somebody was filming some of it. Brian, have you seen the documentary about the guy? Uh, the guy that was working at Columbia House. No, oh my gosh, that's oh you need to watch content it all the way through. Yeah, yeah, okay, I started watching it. It's called um, uh, the Target Shoots First. Okay, and this guy, 
was a grad student and, and went to NYU and wanted to be a documentary guy, but he just got a job at Columbia House because he, he needed a job. But then he started filming his everyday working life at Columbia House and ended up making a documentary about the end of it. And so somebody, oh God, I wish somebody was on the inside just like recording the meetings and you know they were towards the end there. You know, it was like, gosh, this, I'm selling this device after this, right? That What was the guy's name, the, the CEO's name? He was real wheels uh, off. Man, I forgot because he was at he was at a Netflix, wasn't he, before? I mean, it wasn't Reed Hastings, I know, but um, oh, goodness. Uh, Mitch, Lowe. Mitch Lowe. Was Mitch, Mitch Lowe. Yeah. Yep, Mitch Lowe. that was it. Yeah. yeah. That was Mitch Lowe. He was a, what he's he was got a character. He was a character, yeah. Early investor in Quibi, so he's probably doing well. No. <laughs> um, one more thing I want to hit here, I guess, here for movie news rumors, rumblings, is we've gotten some trailers released here recently. And Brian, I got to get your reaction to this Pinocchio Zemeckis oh my God. trailer. Man. What's going on? Where are we at? What's the <sighs> What's the verdict? Tough, tough times for Hanks, man. I another total another mm. gold member role for hanks <laughs> man i mean he's 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 tom hanks so i mean he he could probably do 50 more rough movies or rough roles and i'm still like yeah but got 50 good years so we're good um but and i get to like you know zemeckis has been a big part of his whole bit so when he calls, I'm sure you gotta like, yeah, he's gonna pay me a lot of money to do this. I guess I gotta do it. I hate Pinocchio. I don't understand yeah. the the fascination with. I mean, I, I I mean, it it seems like the fascination is mostly that it's uh it it you, you can just make you can make eight of them a year. It's fine. It, it's uh, public domain. Yeah. Um. So so let's do it. But uh, I liked it better when we had eight Robin Hood movies or TV shows a year than eight Pinocchios a year. I, I don't get it. Pinocchio's weird. It's creepy. The Disney Pinocchio is like one of, I think is one of the worst ones from that era. Uh, I don't really ever need to go back to the well. And also this movie comes out in a week, I think. And, and Disney just put out a trailer for it like, wow. like yesterday. I mean... It's not good. I don't think that that says says great things. You got a you got a Guillermo Guillermo del Toro version coming in in a few weeks, right? I think comes out this year. Yep. I, comes out a yeah. No that thanks. one looks creepy to me. I mean, yeah, I, I mean that, that that's I expect it to be more creeped out by by the yeah. Zemeckis version, which which I will <laughs> say unintentionally, yeah. <laughs> right. Dude, the freaking Pinocchio in the movie. Yeah, giving me big Uncanny Valley vibes already yeah, don't like in the it. trailer. I, can, I don't I, like it. I don't like it already. Hopefully, yeah. they can make it like really cute, you know. Which I'm not getting that. I'm getting like weird, creepy doll kid vibes from it. So Zemeckis, I don't man. want that. It's it, he's. <laughs> it's like he's always. That's how he sees humans. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. How he, he animates them. He's still he trying to see life behind humanity. our eyes. So he's yeah. just like, "What do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? I have to add that?" It's just. I don't know how many times you got to go back to the well on, on, I mean, Polar Express, creepy. Uh, that Beowulf wolf movie, creepy, super creepy looking, doesn't work. Christmas Carol, uh, creepy. The, Christmas Carol, creepy, doesn't work. But, but yeah, let's let's give him another hundred mil and see. I don't what know. Happens. Hanks is signing up for another that. creepy Zemeckis. Like you I know, it. I mean, he just. I'm sure that he just feels like. I mean, I'm sure he's a friend. I got you know. This, and those did and, like Polar Express did well. Yeah, made made money. Um, 
I just I don't understand. I Zemeckis is not uh, obviously not one of my favorites, but, but he peaked with even Forrest more Gump, so right, right? the the animated Zemeckis. I don't get it. I don't understand why we keep doing this. Yeah. Well, I just had to get your reaction to that. I think it. I don't know. It's got some really good songs in it, you know. So if they go just for a straight remake of the animated version, I think it could be. Yeah, you know, when, you know, when you it'll get comparable to that Dumbo better. movie that came out, you know, oh, that everyone forgot about. Remember that was a Tim Burton. Thing? Goodness, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we shall see. We'll probably do maybe an episode on that. It's depending on how things go oh, here at the end of the so end of the bad, month. We may have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just got to see Ewan's portrayal of uh, Jiminy Cricket. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. we'll do a full hour on that alone. It's going to be, going to be great. I think we need to do a whole episode on the, the drama behind Don't Worry Darling before we do a, a review of Don't Worry Darling or after one or the other. Maybe we'll have time. Uh, maybe for both. We have, there's so little on the slate. Maybe we can do both. Get, get Wonder Womeg on here to break down some <laughs> Harry Styles, <laughs> just, uh, Go all in. Stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, there we go. There's some movie news, rumors, rumblings talk for you for this week. Let's close out this main feed episode with a little Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. All right. What you got for us, Richard? Yeah, I'm going through. Uh, going through. I, there was a great uh, show I, I recommended a few. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I've been reading because uh, the, the the movie's about to come out. I've been going back and reading, uh, or not going back. I've not read any of these, um, but I've been reading the uh, Martin McDonough pr- plays. Like you know, he did In Bruges, he did mm-hmm. Three Billboards, movie wise. But he's done a ton of plays um, as well. You can find him on Amazon, and uh, he's got of of course the uh, the Banshees of Inishirin. I guess that's how you say it, coming out here shortly, which reunites. Uh, I, anyway, I love In Bruges. I love his dialogue and uh, the plays are really, you know, they're good size, you know, hundred page little kind of standard one or two act plays and they, they read really well. So if you're interested in like expanding your reading into like drama, um, his stuff is obviously pretty cinematic because he also writes and directs films. And so his plays kind of lend themselves as pretty, I think, entertaining and dialogue forward and all the things that his movies are as well. So I will recommend a very, very, very dark matter and the pillow man as two that I've, I've been really enjoying. So Martin McDonough, uh, a very, very, very dark matter, which is like a creepy, um, uh, Hans Christian Anderson, uh, a play about a creepy fairy tale person. So anyway, there you go. Hmm. Nice. nice. Sweet. What you got, Brian? Recommend a TV show that, uh, first two episodes dropped last week. I think it's going to go, Week to week, uh, one episode, but I've uh, been looking forward to this one. It's uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. The uh, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney uh, bought a uh, a soccer club in in Wales and uh, and are trying to like rejuvenate it and whatnot. Um, and great trailer, good timing. Obviously, World Cup coming. Uh, Ted Lasso is. So hot still, um, and will be forever in our hearts. So good timing on all this sort of stuff. But uh, it's it's kind of uh, hard knocks ish, I guess, but with you know a little bit of a different different twist on it. Uh, first couple episodes were great. I really have appreciated the way that that uh, that these two have have come into this with a lot of humility. Of we don't really know what we're doing, but we feel like this 
could be a cool thing and it could be something that we can be connected to and stuff. And, uh, and they're also, they're doing a great job through the first two episodes, at least of selling the audience on the, on the town and the culture and all of that sort of stuff. And that is such a huge part of, uh, of European football. And, and, um, and one of the things that is, I mean, Richard has gotten really into, to, uh, EPL over the last, the last season or two. And I, I think you would, you would attest Richard, with, <clears throat> the culture of it is, is such a cool part of it. And it's, it makes it really easy to, um, to get invested and involved when in a sport that maybe you don't know a whole bunch about, or maybe like me, you grew up playing soccer and really dig soccer. And now you're rooting desperately for, for a team that's, you know, 2000 miles away or whatever. Um, the culture part of it is such a cool aspect. And, uh, I think they're really hitting that home quite well. So far. Yeah, I, th- the, I the think I've been selling it to people, not the show, but like when I talk about soccer with people, it's mm-hmm. like, I think it's like the passion and history of college football. Cause it goes mm-hmm. back like 150 years, like college mm-hmm. football does, but the day to day grind of baseball. And that's what lends itself really well to drama. Something like Ted Lasso yeah. in the fake world or this show or the all or nothing series on the, mm-hmm. on Amazon. It's like, these guys are together, you know, all year pretty much like 10 months mm-hmm. a year every day. Right. And so, you know, as much as I love the NBA, that's like a six month season. And those guys rarely hang out because they're all super mm-hmm. rich and they just like show up and play maybe a practice and then they go their separate ways. So both the fan culture around like a place like Wrexham, which is a small place in Wales and the whole, you know, not only is the club an enormously emotional part of the town it's also like mm-hmm. an economic part of the town and the better right. that club does the right. better the town will do you saw that with the sunderland documentary on netflix too right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you yeah. you have the fan culture but then you also have the player culture is always interesting because they kind of have to be i don't not necessarily friends but there's much more inherent drama than some other sports because of the day-to-day culture of mm-hmm. everyone being in a training you know in a dressing room or whatever and and ha- having the, all that so right. yeah Something that is so cool about, and I know you've been getting into it a little bit too, Kent. Um, the, I keep talking about the culture of it, but like, I was just trying to explain this to a buddy of mine um, a few days ago, just talking about how I have a print on my wall that has a, it's like a little, it's it's a map of of the UK and it yeah. has a a stamp for every every club, um, and there's like 760 teams clubs in in the UK and. So I was talking to a buddy about how like how ingrained this is into into the culture of each town and how it would be like it's it it's not like uh I mean for 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 the EPL it is. For the EPL it's it's you're talking I don't, whatever Dallas against Houston, you know, or something right. like that. But for, for so much of the of the rest of that 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 whole um setup it's you're you're talking more like Haltom City versus Northridge Hills and and that there's yeah. a a 2000 seats it more like high school football than anything else and yeah. and you've got uh this 1000 or 2000 seat stadium that is like like you said Richard is like kind of the heart of the community and um that those those Saturdays uh really mean mean everything to it for 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 10 10 months and uh anyway um, I love, I love soccer. I love that, that it has been, I know I recommended a soccer related thing, um, last week as well. So, um, I'm deep into it. This is such a great time to, to delve in if you're, if you're at all interested in that kind of stuff. And, and I Especially have a feeling that Wrexham is going to be something that, 
maybe not to the level of Ted Lasso, but is going to be something that people kind of grab hold of and it leads to uh, sort of like, oh, I'm kind of, you know, I at least I, I'm a little bit invested in something or I picked a club. I'm going to see how this goes or whatever else. Uh, but uh, it's it was really good. Really good for a couple episodes. Very, very well done, I think. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary uh, movie that I watched a while ago and I'm super excited to see this pop up because I was hoping for a documentary on this for a while. It's called This Is Guar. I don't know if you guys are Guar fans. Huge. Live it. But I am. I know you. Yeah. Every show (laughs) getting covered in, in fake blood, Richard. But. I'm fascinated by Guar. I'm fascinated by Guar. Yeah, Yeah. I think they are. uh, We've done a couple. When I was doing music, we did a couple festivals that they played played at, and we'd see them like drive by in their full Guar stuff, you know. And I was like, (laughs) man, these guys—they're fully, fully in. And you know, they fall along the lines of, you know, ICP or something like that, where it's just ridiculous for the sake of ridiculous and like let's see how ridiculous we can be but the documentary does a great job at talking about the history of the band and how most of these guys were like horror movie special effects artists (laughs) who just liked metal music and they were making costumes for a horror movie and then they played a show in the costumes and people were like this is awesome you know they did it as a bit and they got a better response than like their actual band did. So they just kind of embraced the the humor of it. And if you see it as a bit, I think it's one of the one of the better bits in music over the past uh, thirty years or so. And they're still going, you know, still touring. And there's a lot of a lot of drama along the way, band members passing away, things like that. But uh, what a fascinating group they are, and uh, unlike really anything out there. So this is Guar is uh, the name of the doc. Check it out. I think it's uh, on-demand, streaming, rent it, all that kind of stuff. So you guys will dig this one. Check it out. All right, there is Weekly Recommends. There's the news. We hope you've enjoyed it. But you can get another episode from us this week. Oh, yes. We are digging into Dread on the heels of its 10th anniversary, fellas, for our throwback of the week. That'll be on the VIP feed. You can subscribe to that for about a dollar a week. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP gets you our hundreds of episodes that are already on that feed, plus all of our future VIP episodes. So check that out. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And hey, do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, and Spotify. Make sure you're leaving us a nice review. And uh, we know a lot of people maybe listen to the pod that aren't subscribed. So make sure you're subscribed. And we wholeheartedly appreciate that. We will see you next week at the sun. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya Your salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again